This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. This segment is brought to you by the Zuckerberg Institute. This is Randy Zuckerberg Means Business on Business Radio. Hi, everyone. Randy Zuckerberg here. Thank you so much for joining us today on Business Radio, Sirius XM Channel 132. I'm coming to you live from my home uh, four months later. Yay. Um, so last week, I was texting with some friends about an issue that doesn't receive that much attention, but I think is a critical business and public health issue, and that is the issue of uh, extreme shortages of life-saving medicine, um, difficult access, affordability to care. We have uh, There are millions and millions of Americans that are suffering from chronic conditions who just simply cannot get access to medicine right now, whether that's due to hysteria, um, fear of safety or just um, other people buying buying things. So uh, in true form, I texted my awesome producer, Dana Cash. Within a week, she had booked a rock star lineup of guests for today uh, to talk about drug shortages, the issues around that, different companies, and how thought leaders are tackling that According to a new report prepared by the Department of Homeland Security, the U.S. is seeing shortages of more than 200 drugs and medical supplies caused by shutdowns early on in the pandemic. Those shortages would only be made worse if there is another round of widespread shutdowns. To start off our show, I'm thrilled to welcome Aaron Fox, a nationally recognized drug shortage expert and the senior director of drug information and support services at University of Utah Health. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Randy. It's a great topic. Thank you. And I, I couldn't imagine a better guest to, to kick off the show. Aaron, can you give us a little bit of a, the lay of the land of the drug shortage landscape and how it has worsened since the pandemic hit? Absolutely. So, Drug shortages are not new. Uh, hospitals have been facing different drug shortages of mostly generic, cheap products that are only used inside hospitals. These, these have been going on for 15, 20 years. Uh, but with the pandemic, we started out with a shortfall of some of those products and then a huge spike in demand with a huge number of patients being hospitalized really uh, kind of broke the supply chain there for a while. Mm. So what... Um Talk to us about some of the danger that comes with these shortages. Some of it seems obvious, but what about some of the things that we might not be thinking about? Sure. Um, You know, hospitals are are really complex, and over the years they have invested in a lot of uh, technology to really keep patients safe, to make sure that you get the right dose, uh, your medicine is infusing at the right rate, lots of barcode scannings, lots lots of automation. Uh, All of that really requires the use of the same product with the same uh, code. It's called the National Drug Code. Um, So it it works great when you have access to all of that same product. But the system starts to break down, and you have to make a lot of manual changes when you have to switch back and forth between products. And that's what what happens when, when we have shortages. It's not always that we're completely out of any one product it's usually that you can't get your preferred product, so the right strength, um, you know, the right, the right code for, for your automation systems. And so all of those workarounds take extra time, and they really put, put patients' uh, safety at risk because you can have medication errors um, if, if all of that automation isn't, isn't correct. 
um, if people are trying to calculate doses by hand, um, if nurses can't barcode scan that, that correct medication for you. And so, you know, safety errors are, are really one of the, the things that we worry about the most when, when we're thinking about drug shortages. Mm. And Erin, um, these shortages, they're impacting people both with and without COVID, correct? That's right. Um, so many of these hospital drugs were short before COVID even began. We, we really um, did not have a, a great, great supply chain system in, in place. And, you know, part of the reason for that is so many of these products are very low margin. They're very cheap. These are products that we've used for, for 50 years. Um, you know, very simple pain medicines, things like morphine injection, um, you know, things that you need to do surgery and procedures. Um, and those were short at, at the beginning of this pandemic. And when we had a sudden spike in demand, um, there just really isn't a lot of resiliency or slack in, in the supply chain. Wow. Um, Aaron Fox, Senior Director of Drug Information and Support Services at University of Utah Health. Can you talk to us a little bit about some of your work and, and what you're thinking about? What, what does your life look like right now? So, you know, I spend a lot of time uh, tracking national drug shortages. My team, we provide um, uh, recommendations really aimed at healthcare providers, helping nurses and doctors and other pharmacists understand what alternatives you can use during a shortage. We've done this for about 20 years. It's available on a public website at the ashp.org. Um, but uh, so, so that's that's a normal normal time. And then when COVID hit. Um, we began to get a lot of questions, you know, okay, what are all the medicines made in China? Well, due to a lack of transparency and proprietary secrets, it is actually impossible to get a list of all of the medications that depend on components made in China or, or any other country for that matter. And, you know, that, that is a big national security risk. Um, I'm glad it's something that's getting attention due to this pandemic. Um, but, at, you know, even the FDA is, is in the dark about, about some of those, those medicines on the list. So we just don't have a full picture. So in some ways, we've been uh, watching shortages spike due to increases in demand. And then, um, you know, just hoping the, the, you know, the other shoe doesn't drop um, if we start to see some serious shortages due to um, disrupted production schedules, say, for the raw materials um, in China. There's a, there's a lag time, you know, um, some some companies keep maybe six months to a year of raw materials on hand, and so we we may not know the full effect of of those closures uh, that happened in China for for a little while. Mm. It's so it's so interesting. I um I, I actually just was like writing uh, some of the things you were saying because I, I that's new information for me also, and um, so thank you for sharing. Um, Erin, where is demand rising? Is there anything that has surprised you about where we're falling short, or is this just something that you've seen coming for decades? You know, um, on, the, on the one hand, it's it's not a surprise. Um, I do think one of the um, bright spots with this pandemic is that the whole country didn't surge at the same time. And so while New York and Detroit and, and other, other places on the East Coast needed much higher levels of, of some of these emergency drugs that you need to keep ventilators running. Um, you know, other areas of the country didn't need so much. And now that we see the surge uh, sur- surging back over in, in my area of the country in Utah, uh, Arizona, uh, California, um, we're, we're hoping that uh, the supply chain has had a little bit of, a, of time to, um, you know, kind of catch up a little bit. And so we'll be able to meet the surge. But, 
you know, so much of the discussion initially was around the lack of ventilators, but um, early on, no one was talking about that you actually need medicine to make those ventilators work. And so, you know, glad that the medication shortages are part of the conversation. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's tricky right now. Um, and, and I just, you know, we're we're kind of on edge, hoping that that we're gonna make it through with enough supplies uh, this this next surge. For sure. Now, um, one of the things that's really blown me away by our discussion here is that it appears drug shortages have been a national emergency for years. It's just something we're we're only just now talking about. Um, can you talk just a little bit about the history of drug shortages compared to what we're seeing now and, and some of your thoughts to correct this moving forward? Sure. So it's, it's a tricky problem. Um, you know, a lot of these shortages, again, are, are older generic medicines. They're mainly injections, um, which are harder to make. They need a lot of infrastructure to make. We don't have very many factories that actually make those medicines. And so over the years, as, as margins have, have eroded, uh, companies really haven't invested in modernizing factories or um, improving quality. And so we see time over time shortages happening because of poor quality. Um, I, I can't tell you how many different public summits, shortage summits, FDA meetings um, I've attended. And really, at the end of each meeting, we come to the same conclusion that the issue is is poor manufacturing and, and quality problems, which which sounds unbelievable in in the U.S. That, that we would have have a problem like this. But when you think about drug manufacturing as a business, uh, it's not really um, practical to to invest a lot of money in, in something if you're you're making very very little margin on it. Um, as as people leave the market, it leaves other companies kind of holding the bag to to make these essential drugs that, that hospitals need. So, you know, how we fix this, it, it's, it's hard because, you know, FDA and, and Congress can't necessarily make rules for companies to say, you know, you Pfizer, you must make this product, you know, you Merck, you, you have to make this product. That's not how, how our uh, country works. And so, we have to figure out a way um, to, to make a drug manufacturing model that's more sustainable, that um, does provide um, an adequate profit, but um, is also providing that quality at, at the end of the day, too. And I'm so excited that later on uh, this hour you'll be talking with folks from Civica because um, that is exactly one of the models that they're working on. Oh, perfect. Well, I'm I'm so glad. And uh, it really is a great crew that's on the show today. Erin, um, where can people reach you? I'm sure that there'll be a lot of people listening to the show today that, that this is a topic that's deeply personal and for, for people. So where can they follow you online or, or read about some of the work you're doing? Sure. So um, I, you know, try to publish as much as I can, uh, but I do, I am very active on Twitter. Um, so um, I think your show was, was uh, had, had my handle on it and I'm at uh, Fox Aaron R. And then um, if people are interested in learning about shortages, you can see some uh, statistics, kind of uh, data trends, um, what's currently short right now at ashp.org. And, um, you know, just click on search for shortages. And uh, my email address is, is on those pages as well. So Perfect. Aaron Fox, thank you so much for joining us today. I uh, really appreciate you coming on our show to speak about drug shortages and, and the landscape there. I hope you stay safe and sane through all this. You too, Randy. Thank you so much for having me and talking about this really critical topic. 
We were just speaking with Aaron Fox, nationally recognized drug shortage expert and the senior director of drug information and support services at University of Utah Health. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 